Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. You hear that music in the background. You know what that means. It is the most recognizable piece of music in the world of football, of course. It is the Champions League anthem, and this is a Champions League edition of Mr. Benfica, episode 153, post-Bruges uh, post Benfica, round of 16, leg one that just concluded, and Benfica will be leaving Belgium with a 2-0 advantage in the tie, as Roger Schmidt said, and as as the Bruges manager, Scott Parker, said, we're at halftime right now. And I couldn't agree more. We are at halftime right now. Uh, we have a second leg to play, 90 more minutes to go. And it is in our house, however, and I do feel um, Benfica has everything there to see this one out and to see our way back into the last eight of the most prestigious football competition on God's green earth. That's right, the UEFA Champions League. Benfica among the elites again. And um, very good performance. There were moments that made it nervy. There were moments where it looked like um, it looked like the moment was becoming big for us. But in the end, the team the team got it together. They they pulled together their focus. I think Roger Schmidt uh, managed a very, very good uh, match. I had criticisms to make of him after the Braga Tassa match. They were, you know, decisions that he had to make in the spur of the moment, so it's very understandable. But in this one, I think he got everything right. He didn't exactly 
do what we expected in terms of starting lineups and whatnot. Uh, I think we were all ex well. There was different opinion out there as to wh what direction he should go with the starting eleven, but in the end, he opted for including the you know still recovering from injury or, or recently back from injury Rafa and Gonzalo Ramos in the eleven, and I think it in in the end it paid off because I think. I think in the in the end, both of them made their contribution. I know some have been critical of Rafa's performance in this one. And while he was not at his best, and then that was visible, I think there was a moment there. There was about a 15 to 20 minute space and time in the first half, especially, where he really was the key guy on the pitch, and he was the one at the center of a lot of the chances we were creating. Again, our efficiency in front of goal let us down. And as a result, you know, it, we, we're going home with a 2-0 result as opposed to a 4 or 5-0 result, but to be fair. Um, same could be said on the other side, because if not for one very, very, very minimum offside called against against Clou uh, Bruch in the first half, we would have gone down 1-0. Who knows how the match would have played out had that goal stood. Um, it was the correct call, but it was still very, very close. Um, other than that, though, Bruges really didn't have a lot of chances. Uh, there was one early where where Tejan Buchanan broke in uh, down down the left. He, I was a little surprised that he played on the left in this one. I, I thought he was going to play on the right in matchup against Grimaldo, but he played on the left for much of the game. And then in the final quarter of an hour or so, he did play down the right and take on Grimaldo, which I thought was going to be the matchup Scott Parker was going to want for Tejan Buchanan. Those of you listening in Canada, very familiar with Tejan Buchanan. I'm, I'm quite familiar with him as well, having seen him to some extent here play with New England Revolution uh, before he re rejoined Club Bruges. He was, he was on loan with New England Revolution for a season, and I got to see a fair amount of him. Uh, I thought they were going to try to have him running at Grimaldo simply because Ba's pace matches his. I thought they were going to create a mismatch on the right. It's not what Scott Parker decided to do. He had him running down the left and meeting Ba. And Ba, in this game, for everything he did wrong in the last one, what was quite impeccable, I think. Uh, he was one of the best players on the pitch for Benfica. And there were a few times where he cut out breakaways because of his, one, his anticipation, and then two, his unrivaled pace. Um, I think he gave a good account of himself and he, he, you know, paid back the favor or paid back, you know, the, the mistake of the previous match in getting sent off. Um, so why don't we go to the lineups to start? Okay, we will start with the home side with Club Bruges and, of course, as I said, managed by former Fulham and Chelsea player Scott Parker. He is kind of a disciple of Jose Mourinho. He is, he is often cited Mourinho as his his favorite coach that he played under and he tries to play he tries to play more of a Mourinho style of football um he goes with with Simone Mignolet in goal uh you got the right back was Clinton Mata the Angola player he starts down the right as the back the double or I should say the the two center back pairing the Scottish Jack McKendry playing alongside the Belgian Brandon Micheli. And um, the left back was 19-year-old Bjorn Meijer of the Netherlands. So um, a good back line for, for Bruges. They are struggling in the Belgian league. Everyone is, uh, is aware of that, but we're also aware that a certain publication out of northern Portugal 
o nojo, called them the Real Madrid of Belgium. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, double pivot in midfield for Bruges. Dennis Odoi, the Ghana international, uh, starts alongside Rafael Onyekidika, um, 21-year-old Nigerian midfielder. And in front of them, three attacking midfielders. On the right, it's Kamal Soa. In the center, it is Hans Vaneken. And the left-sided attacking midfielder, of course, is the aforementioned Canadian Tejon Buchanan. Behind the striker, uh, Noah Lang, uh, a Dutch 23-year-old. Good player. I thought he was, he was I thought he was a pretty good player there. Um, a little bit of an undersized striker, but he's playing as a lone striker in this one. For Befica, for Roger Schmidt. Okay. So he sticks with the 4-2-3-1 we've been seeing. And um, he starts Odie's in goal, of course. Uh, the back line, unchanged. Ba, Antonio Silva, Nico Altamendi, and Grimaldo. Double pivot in midfield as it has been in recent weeks. It's it's Florentino Luiz. And what a match from Florentino Luiz in this one. He was He was spectacular, I think. He does all the little things that you have to pay attention to see. But are nonetheless incredibly important to for the team and and to get the the final result. Um, I lost count of how many times he recovered the ball and how many times he cut out passes. Um, just always in the right place. Uh, very very solid performance in this one from Florentino Luis, partnered by of course Chiquinho or Chiquenzo, if you will. Um, listen, this guy deserves the respect of the Befica Nation at this time. He has come in every single time. He has punched his time card. He has put in a shift. He has not hurt this team in one bit. He has helped this team. He also very good positionally, okay? He he covers the right spaces. He's also very good anticipating defensively. Plays a pretty flawless game. No, he's not. He's not the guy we used to have there, but you know what? He he's not bad and I'm comfortable going with him right now in the form he's in right now. That could change if he drops that form, of course. But Roger Schmidt, I think wisely Sticking with the in-form player here, I know a lot of people are calling for him to be bumped out of the starting lineup and to move Auschwitz to that position and bring either Nedge or uh, or Gonzalo Gedge back into the line, into the starting eleven. Well, um, I think Roger understands he's got a player playing above himself right now, and if he wants to keep that player playing above himself, and I think what what also gets mentioned by some of the more tactical uh, analysts is that Shikinu versus Auschwitz in this position. Shikinu provides more balance. And with Shikinu and Florentino Luis playing in that double pivot, Benfica have a better ability to control the game and to control the pace of the game and to control, you know, the positioning and the territory in which part of the pitch the match is being played. Auschwitz is much more of a going forward player, more of a box-to-box and could be caught out of position perhaps, could take more risks. And I think especially here on the road in the Champions League, I think it was a wise decision to stick with a more balanced midfield. Um, so Auschwitz gets the start up in front of them as an attacking right mid. João Mario in the number 10 position inside of him, and Rafa playing as a wide left-sided mid behind the striker, Gonzalo Ramos. So Rafa and Ramos come back from injury. Uh, they played a little bit in the previous match. Um, Ramos played kind of out of both of them really played out of necessity against uh, Braga. I think, for, especially seeing them in the starting lineup today, I think the idea was to to rest them for an additional couple of days or at least get the minimal time 
before throwing him into this match because I believe he had the intention all along to to start these two players. Personally, I would have gone with Gonçal Gedge um, instead of Rafa, but because Rafa's a guy, again, you can bring in and he can be deadly in the second half when the other team is tired or when the other team is taking chances and leaving themselves exposed. Rafa's pace could really exploit that, but Roger Schmidt decides he, he wants to start him. And knowing that he has that kind of quality of, of David Nedge and of Gonçal Guedes coming off the bench, I'm fine with that too because you also need options off the bench. A lot of people want Chiquinho dumped out of the starting lineup and, you know, one of those guys brought in. But remember, you need options off the bench. You need guys off the bench that can make a difference. And sometimes it's better to keep a real weapon off the bench, keep them in your holster and wait to deploy that weapon um, in a time of need or when, when the match, you know, opens up and when there's a real, real weakness in your opponent to to exploit. I think Gonzalo Rummer starts this game if he's able to play because we needed we needed a post-up, not static, but a, 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 a striker that can hold the ball and that can keep the other team's back line honest. I think if if Gonzalo Gedge plays in this spot, he's more of a, a roamer, less of a of a fixed player, less of a stationary striker. And I think what could happen is you could have allowed Bruges to get more guys forward in the attack. Um, and perhaps we could have had a harder time matching up, you know, defensively. I think it, it was important to put that target man up high that you could knock the ball to, that he could win it. And he won a lot of balls checking too. There were a lot of times the ball was kind of just kicked in his direction and he managed to get to it and to play it to a teammate. And Mefica kept possession in a lot of those situations. Those are the the those are the uh, 22 men that started the match. Roger Schmidt only makes three substitutions in this one. He um, he doesn't empty the bench here. And, and this is kind of part of the course in the Champions League. And I, I like it. Just because you have five substitutions doesn't mean you have to use them. Sometimes the match does not call for a change. Sometimes it calls for keeping what you have going. When things are going well, you want to keep it. It backfired in the group stage in that one match against Juventus where he didn't make the changes and it went from 4-1 to 4-3. But at the same time, I think the team gained a bit of confidence in themselves that when things get tough, they can see it out. And in, in this one, this team managed this match perfectly. Okay, again, early chance for Buchanan in the fifth minute. This was maybe their best chance aside from the goal that was called off. He beats Ba, and he goes in at a kind of tight angle. But Odie comes out. He he makes himself big enough, takes away the shooting angle, and saves it. I think with either side of his face or with uh, his sh shoulder. But it was a good save. First 10-15 minutes, um, Bruges were the better side. Fika looked nervous, looked unsure. But and, and Roger talks about this in his presser, and we'll we'll listen to that in a little bit. Uh, he talks about that, and he was happy actually that that happened, and he said he was happy that the team played their way out of it. Uh, there were some balls given away early, you know, some careless passes, but little by little, Benfica's confidence and Benfica's efficiency in in terms of passing went on growing, and they continued to to build momentum and to start to to possess the ball, to start to own the ball, to start to move it around. And uh, little by little started creating chances. And then the chances just started 
started coming, you know, two and three at a time. Um, however, unable to, to to finish in the final third. There were a lot of opportunities that were, you know, some unlucky and some were just bad bad contact was made with the ball. A few headers went over. Gonzalo Ramos had a few opportunities. Otamendi with a great opportunity to off a set piece there in the first half. Um, but all in all, I think I felt pretty good. By the 20th minute, I was pretty confident that this game was going to go our way. Uh, Befica started to settle into, into you know, their their game. They started to play what we're familiar with. And like I said, we're going on like four matches straight now where the quality of play has just been superb. Uh, and, you know, coincidentally, since the whole mess and saga of Bienzo Fernandez uh, thing came to an end and he left, I think this team has kind of, shown that they're kind of happy that they're they're past that and that it's over and they've moved on and they're moving on without him and really the team seems much looser and much more comfortable since you know that Aruka match and I'm happy to see that um not to mention you know uh he didn't have as good of a night last night as we did uh <laughs> Mr. Enzo Fernandez but hey uh, no longer our player uh, if you want to hear my thoughts on that, go back one episode to episode 152. Uh, I actually kind of still think I kept myself a bit reserved. I could have gone off, but um, yeah, that that episode was recorded with time constraints, and and um, I saved it for last, and then you know ran out of time, so I didn't get to I didn't get to unleash as much as I wanted to, but probably better that way. Um, it's water under the bridge now. The money's in the bank, and you know. We now have a team of players that want to be here, and everyone here is focused on the goal and focused on what this team is trying to accomplish this season. Uh, Soa gets an opportunity receiving the ball just outside the box on the right in the 19th minute. He cuts inside before crossing it in, into the box. Buchanan was there, but the ball is the ball sent in was a bit poor, and Antonio Silva there to head it away. 23rd minute, Befica move forward with pace. Otamendi down the middle. This was a nice play where he collects the ball. He he wins it at about the midfield line. And then the Bruges players all start looking for their marks and literally all open a giant lane for Otamendi to carry. Otamendi then uh, brings it down the middle. Bruges happy to let him run forward. And he plays a through ball to the right to João Mario, but uh, João Mario drives it across looking for Ramush, but Michele will slide in to knock it away and intercept the pass. Very close to being, you know, a very um, a very good opportunity for Gonzalo Ramush to add to his season to tally, but not on, on that one. It was cut out by Michele. You move forward to the 24th, and it's a huge opportunity for Auschwitz, and this is what I mean. Now, this, the opportunities are starting to come fast and furious here. Uh, Auschwitz with the chance to break the deadlock on the edge of the box. Uh, this is when Rafa started to kind of be the key man in the attack here. And this was his part of his, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of real good play from uh, Rafa Silva here. Short, He plays a short pass to Ramos, who chips the ball across the box from right to left. Auschwitz is open, and he tries to volley it out of the air, but he puts it just wide. It was a nice, it was a pretty play. Very calm. Very precise passing, and then the finish just needed a little bit more quality, a little bit better contact, and maybe a slight bit more belief in Oshness as he was swinging his leg at that ball. Um, it kind of looked to me like he maybe was trying to make contact with it, but just to kind of put it on net versus trying to 
trying to score and he ends up you know he ends up driving it wide not getting enough bend on it two minutes later another opportunity for Benfica and Benfica should have had the lead here this was the Otamendi play I was talking about uh, deep cross finds Otamendi and he, he knocks the ball across the box correct this is the one where he knocks the ball from the far post across the box and Silva Antonio Silva's in the middle looking for it his center back partner he's open but he can't find the target and young Antonio Silva heads the ball over the goal and Benfica squander a real good opportunity here to go ahead and in the 28th, we get a note that Antonio Silva has completed more passes than any other player in the match in the 28th minute. 30 completed passes while maintaining a 100% pass percentage completion rate at that moment. And he had been vital in Benfica's ability to build attacks from the back. Kamal Soa goes in the referee's book for a yellow card in the 29th minute after he fouls. Uh, with his hand hitting the face of Grimaldo. Benfica will hit the post on the ensuing free kick. It's another chance. The free kick is played short to João Mario, who chips the ball into the box. Stretching for it was Rafa, and he tries to, with the outside of his right foot, just kind of sneak it into the top corner, the, the near post top corner, um, over Mignolet, and it crushes against the outside of the post just a few inches or centimeters Um away from being 1-0. Two minutes later, it's Benfica again. Ba finds Rafa on a quick throw and inside the box, and he takes the ball off his chest before unleashing an effort from a tight angle, but this time uh, Mignolet ready for it. Saves it, but pushes it the shot behind for a corner. 37th minute, it's Rafa again rushing down right before the back heeling the ball to João Mario, who is unmarked. He curls the ball towards uh, Gonzalo Ramos, but Gonzalo on this one wishes he's gonna he could gather that one back because he heads it over. This was a real pretty play. Again, real good play from Rafa to see João Mario there to just leave the back heel for him. João Mario delivers a good ball. João Mario once again just just very very smooth, very very calm. Everything he he does here is just done very well right now. And again, this guy is just having the season of his career right now. And um, I'm glad we have him. I, I can't stress that enough. He has been so he's been so instrumental in this team this season. And I can't believe how many people didn't believe in this guy at the beginning of the season and thought we needed an upgrade there. Um, he has just he's just played the best football of his career um, up to the moment. He gets another opportunity in the 39th. This time he, he this time. Schwamadiu clips the ball into Ramos after moving in from the right. The striker, though, doesn't make the run, and Mignolet comes out and gets it, chesting it down, waiting for, for a Benfica player to press him and force him to pick it up. Bruges are looking for the locker room at this point. They're looking to get to halftime um, and such. Uh, in the 41st minute, we get a note that Bruges only look dangerous on the counter. They've struggled to build from the back with Benfica defending with a solid base. And it's true, every time Befica applies a little bit of, of pressure, that ball was cleared into the middle third where our midfielders were just many times Florentino and Chiquinho just picking it up, you know, again, positionally very sound in the right place and just picking it up without pressure and starting a new attack each time. We really had Bruges pinned in and really should have been ahead at this point. Uh, there is a counterattack, though, in the 43rd minute, and it is Noah Lang who gets free and after... Soa won the ball from Auschwitz. 
a rare giveaway by the Norwegian midfielder for Benfica. And Otamendi gets a little bit impatient, stabs at the ball, and takes down uh, Noah Lang. Sees the referee's yellow card uh, for that challenge. And this is the play where Benfica nearly went behind. Um, Lang delivers the free kick, played brilliantly to the back post. And it finds Odoi. And Odoi's header actually deflects off of Antonio Silva and redirects past Odisej. But uh, the referee's assistant on the near side has his flag up for offside. Quick VAR check verifies that Odoi was, in fact, offside. Lucky break for Benfica. Not sure how this match would have played out had uh, we conceded right on top of halftime, like that right at the halftime um, whistle. Would have been a bit of a blow to Benfica's confidence, though this team has been down plenty of times this season, and to the and to date have only lost once in 90 minutes, uh, despite having trailed plenty at, at various times. So I don't doubt that Benfica would have found their way to to recover at least at least uh, to equalize if, if they had fallen behind. However, um, both teams, I should say. Not both teams, but but five minutes earlier, Bruges would have been happy to go into halftime nil-nil. Benfica happy in a sense because they were very close to surrendering when they were in complete control of the match. We look at some of the halftime notes. Despite putting the ball in the net, Bruges struggled to create chances from open play. Once again, defensively impeccable match from Benfica. Um, in possession... Bruges found it very difficult to get into Benfica's defensive third. Florentino and Chiquinho breaking up the play very well. When going long, um, Silva and Otamendi, Antonio Silva and Otamendi winning virtually every aerial battle. And the only chances Bruges are getting are out of quick counterattacks. And for Benfica, um, just knowing that they're on top of the match, that they're in control, and I think they they know that if they continue to play their game, continue to move the ball, um, and continue to create the opportunities, one is bound to go in. And um, yeah, so they go into halftime uh, tied nil nil. And I'm gonna take a quick break right here for you, okay? Um, and come back and talk about the second half right after, and we can talk about you know whether uh, Roger Schmidt waited too long to make the substitutions or not, but um, perhaps not surprisingly, no, no substitutions made at halftime. I'm going to take a quick break, and right after this short break, I'll be right back to talk about the second half. If you want, go ahead and fast forward, you know, about a minute and a half, and uh, I'll be right back with you here on Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Again, follow me on Twitter at Mike Agustinu. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O, and follow the show at Benfica Mr. All right, on Twitter or on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Be right back. Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo 
sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se Carrega bem fica, ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós, o querer de todos nós Manto sagrado é peso pesado, não o carregas sozinho Em cada esquina há um vizinho, sente o carinho Do Algarve até ao Minho, o vermelho pinta a Tuga E é isso o teu colinho, na reconquista do que é nosso Por direito que não vi, por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Queres a nossa força, sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora, nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa salta O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica All right, back with the second half now here on Mr. Benfica, episode 153. Remember, we're in the UEFA Champions League round of 16, the first leg. And we have an opportunity right off the right off the bat, 46th minute. Um, Grimaldo has an in-swinging free kick that goes over the head of Auschwitz and into the path of Ramos, who cannot hit the target from close range. Three minutes later, though, uh, Benfica finally get the breakthrough. And it comes, it comes from the penalty spot as uh, the referee doesn't even think about it. He points straight to the spot looking, looking to clear the ball. Hendry does not see Ramos coming. This is very, very similar to the, except there's a lot more contact made, but very similar to the penalty conceded by Antonio Silva against Sporting um, when he was trying to clear the ball and Paulinho just got himself to the ball first, poked it away so that... Antonio Silva would uh, make contact with him. There was a lot less contact in this one, in, in that one, excuse me. In this one, Hendry gets a full, he gets his full swing in and uh, kicks kicks uh, Gonzalo Ramos in the leg. He pokes it away and the defender comes right through. Referee does not even, uh, does not even blink. The referee in this match, of course, was Davide Massa of Italy. He doesn't even, he doesn't even blink and he points to the spot. Goal check very quick. I mean, the penalty check very, very quick. VAR verifies it without much uh, ceremony. And it is João Mario stepping up again. And um, I believe that they said this was his 10th. He had scored nine penalties thus far this season um, in all competitions. And and I have to give João Mario some credit here. People are, are criticizing a little bit on the placement of the pass, but... One thing you need to realize is when you're the penalty taker and you've taken this many penalties, um, each one you take, you have that much more of a, of a likelihood that you're going to miss than the previous, okay? You're bound to miss at some point. It's the law of averages. And uh, I think this is kind of working its way into João Mario's psyche, if you will, because um, I think he knows that Mignolet has seen plenty. There's plenty of footage of him taking penalties this season. So there's plenty to study on him. Uh, and he does one thing he hasn't done yet. Um, this is the first time he's gone high 
not incredibly well placed, but not terribly placed either. The commentary here in the United States on CBS uh, seemed to think it was a poor penalty that Mignolet should have saved, but very hard when you're diving, okay, and you're reaching for, in this case, the refer the goalkeeper's right hand post. Um, very hard to get that left hand up high enough to to reach a ball that's going to kiss off the bar. Uh, it's a risky place to go because, again, uh, a couple centimeters too high and it hits the bar and comes back and stays out. But um, João Mario does well to get it under the bar and into the goal. And listen, it's 1-0 to Benfica. It's a great finish. And honestly, it, it's it's not easy. And I know he hasn't missed yet, but you're starting to wonder if someone else may want to take the next one for this reason. Perhaps not domestically. I think he's got the. I think in Portugal he's got the confidence to beat the goalkeepers. Um, but I think the moment put a little more pressure on him. But he decided ultimately to go high. He hasn't gone high in any of his previous uh, penalties. This one he goes high and he finishes it. And it's a very very important goal here for Benfica. Of course, away goals no longer in play. That rule doesn't exist anymore. But to alleviate the pressure of having to find a goal. And again, you hear just the the roar of all the Benficistas in the crowd. And again, I have to tip my hat and applaud Benfica Nation in full force in Bruges in Belgium. Okay, absolutely. Um, once again, the whether we're playing domestically or abroad, the commentary teams do not do a good job of explaining just how much support is in the house for Benfica. All you could hear all match was Benfica's chance. All you could hear was Benfica Mordo da Minha Vida, you know, and a few other of the well-known chants. I was chanting along. Rui Costa was on camera chanting along. Um, the crowd, the battle in the stands was won by Benfica. Once again, our fans are undefeated in the in the stands. There is no question about it. Um, even read reports that a lot of, you know, Benfica fans living in Belgium have become sausage of Club Bruges for the sole purpose of being able to get tickets to this match. That's the type of dedication, you know, Benfiquistas have. And it is a shame that the media does not shed light on that. Does not. It's such a good story to tell, and they don't tell it. They don't tell the story of Benfica when we travel and how well we travel. Better than anybody else, really. Okay? Better than anybody else, really, because we have people everywhere. It's not just traveling fans. It's also the diehard fans that live in Belgium, in this case, or live in Germany, or live in France, live in England, that go support Benfica when when they come in, in European matches, you know, close to home. And um, according to the TV, they said some 3,000 Benficistas were in the stadium. That's only the ones that bought their tickets from Benfica. Those were the tickets allotted to Benfica. There were thousands and thousands more that were there, you know, who live in Belgium or who traveled to Belgium, who bought tickets from Bruges, okay, from who became members, from what I'm being told, of Bruges and and bought tickets so that they could get, guarantee themselves a ticket to this match. Um, Ramos goes down under the challenge of McKaylee next to the corner flag, looks straight at the assistant referee who gives a cold kick. That's in the 55th minute. Um and Bruges start to start to get a little bit of desperation, start to go forward a little bit. They start to take more chances in the 59th. Um, they start looking more and more dangerous uh, after going behind. Lang attempting to go past defenders on the left. However, the final product continues to let them down. Crosses into the box being cleared away with ease. 
again, great game from great performances from uh, Nico Otamendi, the captain, and from Antonio Silva. That center back pairing has just been so so good recently. When um, offensively, we I won't, I'm not going to say we struggled, but we definitely did not start after the World Cup break. You know, in fifth gear for sh- for sure we did not. But um, we have held over some of that. We have survived through some of that less um, less effective play, less efficient play because of just the strength of our back line and our ability to keep clean sheets, which I've always said is so, so crucial because if you don't surrender a goal, you cannot lose. The worst that can happen is you draw. Um, we get a substitution, though. We get a double substitution in the 65th. And on comes Nerej and Gedj for Ramush and Rafa. No surprises there. Everybody was expecting this. Uh, Rafa got about the hour that I think the medical team and that the manager wanted him to get. I guess same said for Gonzalo Ramush. And now what I like about this is Benfica changes their look, okay? No longer do they have that target striker. Now they have a much more fluid, um, in motion, all parts in motion type of attack. And now you're going to force the backline to adjust to that. They've been used to playing a certain way. And now as they're going to start to send more bodies forward, you are forcing them to adjust with a different look defense, uh, offensively from us, defensively from them. Um, Bruges makes a change of their own, and Casper Nielsen comes on for Dennis Adoy. Uh, Lang completes 12 dribbles in the match, the most by any player. Actually, the most by any player in a Champions League game this season, which is something I was not really aware of while watching the match. But uh, he had a lot of successful dribbles. However, a lot of them were quite predictable, and the winger keeps moving inside with the ball. The Benfica does good to crowd the area, and eventually nothing comes of all of that work, which is, again, the sign of a very well-disciplined defensive plan from Benfica. They were well-prepared for this match. Um... 72nd or 69th minute, excuse me, on a break. Nedish comes forward with the ball down the right flank, has options in the middle, but decides to cut back across the outside of the box. Nobody is there, and Bruges have possession back. This was a kind of a two on two, and um, him and, and Gedge were not really on the right, not on the same page here. And David Nedish has not been the same David Nedish we saw in 2022. In 2023, he's he's still working to get his way back to that level. Um, but he would come in handy in this match, as we know. 74th minute, he plays a short pass to Ba, who chips the ball across the box over the head of all the Bruges defenders. But it also goes beyond Auschwitz, who is rushing to get to get on the end of the cross in the box. And danger avo- avoided. Um, João Mario's corner, ensuing corner. On the 76th minute, cleared behind by Buchanan, who was there to help out with the defensive effort. Another substitution for Bruges in the 78th. Scott Parker sends on Ferran uh, Hutla, the Barcelona, as we're told, Barcelona Youth Team Academy La Masia product, who scored 19 goals last season for Barcelona B. Uh, he comes on, replaces Kamal Soa. This is a, obviously an attack-minded switch as Bruges are looking for the equalizer to come back to Lisbon with everything all tied up. And Benfica seem happy with their lead. Benfica took Benfica did not take a lot of risks in this match, and I like it because there's a whole other match still to play. Uh, Benfica showed some very, very good patience. I know as fans we want to see more goals and we want to see more urgency. 
but they created a lot of chances even in being very patient. And it really didn't feel too much like this game was in doubt, even though we started to see possession a little bit because Bruges were going to start to throw more men forward. They were going to try to overlie, over, uh, override some of the sides, try to get guys you know, into positions and create mismatches, create overloads. And Benfica ha handled it all. Benfica, again, well-prepared defensively, just uh, a game plan that was well, well laid out. And always in the right place. There was one instance here in the 82nd minute. Uh, Odie fails to deal with Lang's in-swinging free kick. With Gedge back to clear the ball away from danger. The goalkeeper punched the ball into the middle of the box. And needed the striker to deal with it. Again, it, when it looks on the replay. I know we're really critical of, of Odie. But when the replay showed, there was, very, there was little else he could do. He managed to get his fist there before. Before the before Vanekin was able to get his head on the ball, um, that was the target that Lang was looking for, and uh, Odie managed to do enough. I know it's not always pretty, and it's heart wrenching sometimes in the area when the ball comes swung into the area in front of goal. Um, sometimes he's indecisive. Sometimes he makes the wrong decision, but on this one, he uh, does enough. He does enough. Uh, Bruges putting pressure. In the final few minutes, in addition to Hutlga, uh, having given them a target in the middle of the box, Lang and Buchanan are stretching the pitch, trying to stretch Benfica's back line and trying to create spaces for which somebody can arrive and and get a shot in. But then, in the 86th minute, it is Nets playing the ball outside the box to Joao Mario, who curls an effort just wide of the post. His head in his hands, but the flag goes up for offside anyway. Uh, Nedj had been offside by quite a bit, had come back from an offside position um, to actually receive the ball, face the defenders, and then dish it, but he was offside nonetheless. But then two minutes later, a uh, ball was sent in, and it is it is curled in by Auschwitz from the left wing. Major is there, but he fails to uh, deal with the ball, and uh, Hendry also... Makes a mess of it. Uh, they're trying to to play small touches out of their own, you know, right on the edge of their defensive third, trying to play with small touches to get out. And the ball ends up right on David Nedge's foot, and David Nedge will go in undefended. He, they don't catch him. He's too fast. And with an impressive amount of composure, just looks up, picks out the corner with his left foot, and beats Simon Mignolet 2-0. Game, set, match for Benfica. Two minutes uh, from full time. This was a crucial, crucial second goal. And this is um, this is what good teams do. You punish teams when they make mistakes. This was a very, very uh, costly mistake for Club Bruges. And Benfica punished them for it. And it's a much different looking second leg now with Benfica leading 2-0 as opposed to 1-0. Um, after the match, Roger Schmidt, as always, in the post-game presser. Um, let's hear one of his comments right now. Um, this is Roger Schmidt speaking post-match in the press conference. Good night, coach. Mariser BTV. Uh, Benfica is going back to Lisbon uh, with a win and a clean sheet. Do you think this is a good first step in this knockout? Yeah, of, of course it's a good first step. So um, I think it's always difficult if you play... Uh, in the knockout stage, away match, so which is a very good team. I think we saw it also, especially at the at the beginning. They played with a lot of energy, 
a lot of motivation, a lot of speed up front. So we were struggling at the beginning a little bit, but I think in, in this phase we had to win some very important duels and we showed also that we can um, defend good in these moments. And I think after 20 minutes, we uh, we were better in our rhythm. We were able to create up moments in the attacking in our, in our game. I think then we created a lot of chances already in the first half, could already score. Um, and then second half, I think we continued, we were very sharp, um, also in, in pressing and game pressing and uh, played good football and then that uh, we got the penalty. And I think then we showed also that we um, that we are able to, to control the game, to um, keep the, the opponent away from our goal. I think we have gave them a lot of opportunities to score and with the second goal the, the, the match was uh, decided but it's only half time so I think uh, we show also the, the the quality of the opponent and we respect that we need another top performance uh, in two weeks in Estadio da Luz Roger Schmidt, Jorge Golão, Sport TV the supporters of Benfica, also the president, everybody dreams that Benfica can get further in the Champions League. Uh, even losing an important player that everybody knows who is, do you think it's possible to Benfica to get to the final stage of this Champions League? I think it's possible to uh, to promote to quarterfinals. So that's our goal at the moment. Sorry, sorry. That's our that's our goal um, at the moment, and I think. We have to do step by step. I think that's what we um, did the whole season. That's our our attitude and approach to respect each match, and um, and then we will see um, how it how it comes. So we will, I think, we will prepare now for for the league again. So Champions League now is on hold, and then we want to bring it to the end in our stadium, and then we are we would be in a quarter final. What is already a big a big achievement for Benfica, especially because they did it already uh, last uh, season. So we, two times in a row in the quarterfinals is, 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 would be top. But first we have to uh, play another top game, like I said, and then we will see what is possible for us. So there you hear the manager, Roger Schmidt, talking about, uh, well, you heard two bits there from the from the press conference. Uh, I didn't play the entire press conference, obviously, but I took the two bits out of it that I, uh, I thought were, were important to highlight. First, he was asked by by Mario Serra of uh, BTV, you know, about where the, the team stands right now with, with you know, bringing the tie back to Stade Delusion. I like everything that Roger said there. He talked about how the team had to struggle at first, and um, he he appreciated the way the players played their way out of that, that struggle early on in the match. And um, he, he also, you know, emphasized that this match is not over, that they're facing a good team. And he knows that there's there's 90 minutes left to go at the Stadio de Luz, and you know, and Benfica will be they will be they're they're where they're supposed to be, basically. Uh, right to to kind of paraphrase his wording there. Um, I think, especially in that second piece that you heard, um, I really like what he said when he was asked by. And of course, you you can always count on Portuguese journalists to just be absolute buffoons and. Um, their their question asking ability is is pathetic as he talks about first he has to talk about Enzo being gone of course and um those of you that don't know Enzo lost I'll, I'll say it again yeah um we won and he didn't so really this question shouldn't even come up anymore 
but then he talks about you know if how many Benficistas are are dreaming of of winning the the Champions League or getting to the final. I don't remember exactly what his wording was there, but Roger quickly pumps the brakes as he always does, and it always keeps things in perspective in correct perspective. As he says that, you know, we are where we want to be right now to progress to the quarterfinal. He's not looking any farther than that. Be foolish to start thinking uh, of these things of grandeur. Um, the only thing Befica can control right now is what is in front of them. And that is a second leg that we're going in with a 2-0 advantage. Okay, We're going to go into our house, which should be full and which should be lively and which should be an absolute, you know, un unparalleled uh, atmosphere for... As we have we for the players, as we've come to expect in our home matches, okay, um, I think it's going to be the the cliche, you know, the 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 cliche inferno deluge that we're used to seeing when when we play the second leg, and um, if you can need to be focused on those ninety minutes and those ninety minutes only. After that, we can talk. We cannot get ahead of ourselves because let's be honest. Um, a lot depends on the draw as far as how far you're going to go. There's only so much you can control, okay? A lot of times the difference for some teams between a good run in the Champions League and a bad run in the Champions League is simply which ping pong ball comes out and, and which team gets lined up opposite you. Sometimes teams get the impression that it was a great Champions League and it was completely down to avoiding, you know, certain teams. Um, Benfica cannot get caught looking too far forward. I agree with this approach from the manager. Keep in front of us what's in front of us. We'll get through the second leg, and then we'll be among the best eight. And whatever happens, you know, we've we've hit our objective for the season. We've hit a, and I know it's not, you know, we are a big club. We know that, and we want to be in semifinals and finals. That's, that goes without saying. But again. I think the realistic goal every season, our place is, is among the best eight. And then from there, we're going to try to win one match, one round at a time. That's all we can do. And I think we have the right man leading this team who's not getting caught into any mind games. He's not getting caught into any false expectations. He is keeping everything right in front of him, you know, and keeping everything in perspective. Let's go quickly here to the goal point ratings for this match and some of the statistics, okay? Um, for Clue Bruges, they had a team rating of 5.18, an expected goals of 0 0.3. That's a very good defensive performance from Benfica to keep that XG so low. Uh, the goalkeeper, Mignolet, had a 5.7. Major, the left back, 4.9. Michele, 6.0. Hendry, 4.7. Mata, 4.6. Um, Soa 4.9, Odoi 4.6, Vanakin 4.7, Onidika 5.7, and Buchanan 5.1. Charlie Lang was their top performer with a 6.0 rating. Befica with a 6.12 rating in this one and an XG of 3.0, so slightly underperforming the XG with only two goals, and we know it could have easily been four or five if we had one of those days where Benfica were, were finishing with the type of efficiency we've seen in other matches, okay? Um, sometimes we have no efficiency and we struggle to even score, and other times, you know, we are super efficient. We fell, you know, more on the lower side of this one. However, managed to get two goals, so the missions accomplished in this tie, or not in this tie, but in this, in this first leg, 
Uh, Odi is a 6.5. Uh, ba 6.1, Antonio 5.8, Otamendi 6.5, Rimaldo 6.9. He was the highest rated player on goal point. Some of the other apps had different ratings. Uh, Aushin is 5.6, Chiquinho 6.2, Florentino 6.4, João Mario 6.1, and Gonzalo Ramos and Rafa each with 5.5, David Neres off the bench 6.3, and Gonzalo Guedes. Off the bench at 5.5. João Neves, Johnny Snows, as I call as as my son calls him, Johnny Snows. Uh he he uh he didn't get a rating. He only played in about three minutes of stoppage time, so not a, uh, long enough to to get a rating. But I think all in all, this is a good performance. I believe it was it was Alshinus that was recognized by UEFA as the man of the match. For me, it's Florentino. Um, I know Benfica and Pinent had their post-match Rishkaldo and, and their viewers selected Florentino as well. And I think a shout for a shout for Otamendi too, because uh, he literally was almost perfect in this match defensively. But you saw by the by the analytics, Grimaldo ends up as the top player. So we'll look at some of the statistics here. And uh, shots on goal, 14-4 to advantage to Benfica. Sh sorry, sh total shots, 14-4. to Shots on goal, 4-1 to advantage to Benfica. Actions in the opponent's area was 29-8 to advantage for Benfica. Again, that, that battle of of territory that I talk about that for me is something that need that is very important. And for me, this is something that we that really tells more of a story of the match than some of the other statistics. Uh that tells a real story there. Not 29 to 8 uh actions in the opponent's penalty area. Uh Benfica played a lot in Bruges End. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, opportunities, obviously. Corners seven to three advantage to Benfica. Pass efficiency, Benfica eighty four percent efficient on the pass. Club um, Bruges was eighty percent, not bad for them either. But uh, on the vertical pass, Benfica with another slight advantage, sixty three percent to fifty eight. Um, defensive, uh, yeah, defensive actions in the opponents. Midfield, Benfica win that battle as well, which means Benfica are pressing a bit more, and I like that. And Benfica are recovering the ball quicker than than Bruges were, and uh, they had a fifteen to twelve advantage in that. Uh, Bruges committed ten fouls to Benfica's eight, while possession went Benfica's way fifty four to forty six percent. Just looking down some of the other statistics that they post here. Um, at halftime, Odie was the top-rated player on the pitch. So, so for what that's worth, um, he was a six-point-one at halftime. So he was he was the top-rated player there. Uh, again, th there's some there's there's just a, a large base of the fan base that's never going to fully accept him. I understand he's not the best in the world, but um, he's also not the worst. Okay, the, yes, there there are deficiencies in his game, no doubt about it. But I think with this team. And with this coaching staff and with this back line, they're kind of working that into the, into the way they play, and they're limiting they're limiting the amount of times his deficiencies are on display, the amount of times the opponent can can exploit those those weaknesses. When we look at the top tendencies for passes, no surprise that Otamendi and Antonio Silva connected twenty one times. Um, well, actually, they connected more than that. They connected. They connected 39 times in total. 21 times it was Otamendi to Antonio. Well, it was 18 times Antonio to Otamendi. But you also saw some good connection here between Dromario and Ba down the right side. 16 times Dromario found Ba on the outlet pass. 
Otamendi found also picked out Shikinu 16 times, um, and that was with forward passes. So that that is a good um, it that is a good indicator of the fact that Benfica were playing the ball forward uh, quite a bit. That that is the the fourth most um, common pass, or the fourth. Yeah, the fourth most common pass made in the match was between Otamendi to Shikinu and on the goal point. If you look at it, you can show it's it's a slightly vertical pass, short distance pass, high percentage, of course, but uh, very good, very good efficiency passing wise from Bifika in this one. Grimaldo's heat map is what you would expect. It's it's red hot down the entire left side. Uh, he did a, he did his job again as he has done all season. Another guy. I talked about Joel Mario having a career year. How about Alejandro Grimaldo? I know he's not signed for next year yet, and I know in theory he's playing for a contract, but he's also giving us a lot in the process. I mean, we are certainly benefiting. Whatever happens with his contract status at the end of the season, wherever he plays his football next season, he is leaving it all on the pitch for this club, and he is honoring this club right up to the final day. And, um, I you have to commend him for these types of performances. Uh, he had two passes that ended up in shots. Um, he was one for one on the dribble, but three defensive actions in the opponent's midfield. Okay, uh, four interceptions and three clearances. He uh, played a pretty close to perfect match for for what he's asked to do. Shikinu uh, also had a had a good rating. Shikinu with a very good heat map as well, and we talked about how many times he was connecting with with Otamendi in this one. Goal point has him at an eighty nine percent pass efficiency, top in the in the match. Okay, five forward passes connected, um, and he was four two for four on long passes. So he attempted four long ones, and two of them connected. He had four steals, one blocked shot, and nine times Shikinu. Recovered possession for Benfica, and he had even a dual air, a dual battle, aerial dual battle one in the penalty area. Um, João Mario, we get a we get an image of his penalties that he scored this season, and um, yeah, this one goes kisses right off the crossbar, and a good performance by him, all in all, and a good performance by Benfica could have been better, of course, but I think. Uh, Taking in the context that this was a knockout game on the road, a first leg, a difficult first leg because it's been months since we've played in Europe, and you know, it, regardless of of Bruges' form in the Belgian league, you know when it comes to a Champions League and when a team gets into a, a position like they're in now, where this is all they have left to play for, and um, you know they're going to give that extra effort and they're going to raise their game that extra level. There's talented players there again. Uh, Noah Lang, Tejon Buchanan, these are talented players. We didn't get to see Roman Yarimchuk, our former player today. He did not come off the bench in this one, um, and I, I tell you, my heart breaks for him. Uh, just I can't even imagine what you know how this guy can can deal with everything that's going on off the pitch in his family, in his home life, um, and still get up every day. I mean, he, he deserves to be commended just for for uh, still, you know, being able to show up for work every day. And I'm sure it's affecting his his play on the pitch and, you know, 16 million euros that, that Bruges play, paid Benfica for him. And he's an unused substitute in their most important game of the year. It's a tough time for Roman Yarumchuk. Uh, 
Roger Schmidt did say in the post game that he had a nice conversation with him, but he said that that conversation is private and that he's keeping it between them. He he refused to comment on it with uh, with the press, but did say that he he has you know that he cares very much for that player and he wishes him well and that Yadimchuk wish, wishes Benfica well as well. Okay, uh, next up for Benfica then uh, Monday, and I believe it's Boavista on Monday. Let me double check. On that, I'm I'm quite certain that that's who we got Monday night. Uh, no matches this weekend for Benfica, of course. Um, having played uh, in Europe this week and played in the Tasa last Thursday, a quick turnaround. Uh, the Portuguese league did not schedule their game for the weekend, instead scheduling it for their Monday night uh, time slot, which they love to put Benfica on Monday night because it, it's a Monday night, you know, big TV audience, of course. And this one's going to be at the Luge. Um, I'm pretty sure it's at the Luge. I'm pulling it up right now. But again, Mefica just needs to keep going. We can't be watching the scoreboard. Can't be watching what what our rivals are doing. Um, as expected, we got no help on the weekend from our neighbors when they took on the second place team. Uh, we got absolutely no help from them. They were completely useless on on the weekend. But it's 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 all in our hands. And Mefica just needs to stay focused and needs to keep doing. What they do, so yes, uh, Monday's schedule is Shabs v. Sparthing, 2 p.m. Eastern Time in the United States, 7 p.m. Portuguese Time, and then 4.15 p.m. Eastern Time, 9.15 p.m., that beloved spot, Sport TV, and this isn't even a Sport TV match, this is a BTV match, but this is the beloved time, that <laughs> slot that, that Portuguese television loves to put football on. Uh, 9.15 weeknight start at the Stadio de Luz, Befica hosting Boa Vista. Now, other results um, this week in the Champions League, starting with Tuesday's two matches. Okay, this is all round of 16 first legs. At the San Siro, Milan beat Tottenham 1-0, while at the Parc de Princes, Bayern Munich, yes, travel and beat the, the Oil Giants. They beat PSG 1-0. Goal scored by the Frenchman Kinsley Coman. He did not celebrate. Uh, he puts his hands up in apology to the French fans, but scores the goal. And PSG are on the ropes now going to Munich in the second leg while Milan get a good start against Tottenham, but all the play for there when that tie heads back to uh, whatever they're calling Tottenham's new stadium. Uh, I don't know if they sold the naming rights yet. Um, I almost called it White Hart Lane. It's not White Hart Lane anymore, but I wish it were. <laughs> and then... The two matches on uh, on this day, of course, Benfica 2-0 winners, as we just spent the last hour or so talking about. And at the, at the, um, at the, in Dortmund there, <laughs> sorry, at the, at the Signal Iduna Park is the official name of it. I was trying to remember its, its traditional name. I couldn't remember. But, um. In Dortmund, the yellow wall was celebrating as Dortmund beat Chelsea 1-0. Uh, João Felix, easily the best player on the pitch for Chelsea that night. Um, he had a couple of chances, came very close, hit the bar once on a beautiful, beautiful dribble. But um, but uh, Dortmund's goal comes off of a, a corner kick, actually. It's, it's a corner played in by Chelsea that gets cleared. And Karim Adiemi gets a hold of the ball as he takes off 
and the crew at CBS Sports here in the United States breaking this goal down. Uh, former Manchester City player Micah Richards and former Liverpool player uh, Jamie Carragher were breaking down this goal and pointed out that, you know, uh, Chelsea's new signing, um, Mikhailo Mudrik, uh, for all the talent and all the pace he had, showed a real lack of defensive awareness when he allowed Karim Adeyemi to get free. He is the only player on the pitch that could run with him. Uh, he did not sense the danger. He he was out of position, looking the wrong way. Uh, Adeyemi gets the ball at about the edge of his defensive third, takes off for the races. It's a foot race. The only man back is Enzo Fernandez, who I'll be honest, defended this about as well as he could be expected to, but Adeyemi just blew right by him running and then dribbled, uh, dribbled Kepa. And 1-0 to Borussia Dortmund. And that's how the tie will go to Stamford Bridge. So Chelsea, the billionaires, Chelsea and PSG on the ropes here after uh, the first leg. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how the second legs go. Next week's quarter, next week's round of 16 matches, rather. Um, Tuesday, we have Eintracht Frankfurt hosting Napoli and Liverpool hosting Real Madrid. And then Wednesday, the first legs close out with Inter hosting, you know who, hosting uh, Club de Fruta. And Forza, Forza Inter, of course, Forza Inter. Oh, <laughs> against them, it's Forza anybody. And then RB Leipzig will host Manchester City. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Mr. Benfica, episode 153. I'll be back uh, in a couple days again. Women's football update is coming up next. I'm working on that one right now. And, and also a review of the documentary, the Amazon documentary, The Factory of Dreams, highlighting Benfica's Seychelles uh, youth, youth, um, youth facilities and youth academy. And um, I'll have a full review of that. And I might save that one for a rainy day, but I'll be, requ I'll be recording it at some point. Next uh, Monday is a holiday here in the state of Massachusetts, so I am going away this weekend. I'm taking my son away for the weekend. Uh, we're going up into the mountains uh, to get away for a little while and to just hang out. Um, so Liga Trish English may come out a little later next week. Um, it did drop on Tuesday this week, so or did it drop Monday? I don't remember anymore, but it will drop at some point next week as well. I will continue to to follow that and carry that project out as that league and, and competition takes its shape heading into its uh, final stages. So um, that's going to do it. Don't forget um, to check out www.mrbrainfica.com. There's old episodes up there if you want to watch or listen. Um, also, www.parkinthebusmedia.com for everything on that side of, of the PTV Media Network. And the new season of the Park in the Bus podcast is going to start very soon. Sunday, February the 26th will be the season premiere. It's going to be a little bit different this year. I've got a few ideas and a couple different series that a couple different podcasts will be dropping on that feed throughout 2023. So stay tuned to that. Make sure you follow that on Twitter and on Instagram. PTV underscore media. Um, lastly, um, Again, coming very soon is my latest project. Um, I've played the trailer for you before. I won't do it again, but it's it's a birth of a soccer nation where we'll, I'll, I will dive deep into the history and not the full history, but maybe the, the modern history of the last uh, 40 or so years 
of the history of football here in the United States. And again, I want to, before I go, I have to say this as well, an apology to my friends and supporters out there that are Philadelphia Eagles fans. There's a lot more of you than I realized. Uh, a number of you didn't really appreciate my uh, retweet of Hui Kasha was eight, who I thought it was a funny retweet after the Super Bowl. And all he said was, you know, in Portuguese, the red team won, Carrega Benfica, or something along those lines. And I found it funny and I retweeted it. And some, you know, there's a lot of Philadelphia Eagle fans among Benfica Nation. So uh, my apologies, guys. I was not trying to taunt you. Hope uh, you can forgive me. Uh, it was a fantastic Super Bowl. Um, it's, it's a shame one team had to win, one team had to lose. But that is just the way it works in sports. Um, yes, questions about the referees can be asked, but we're very used to that, aren't we, as Benficistas? All right, I'm going to get out of here. I'm supposed to be at work right now, so uh, so I'm going to get on with that before I get caught uh, doing something on the job that I'm not being paid to do. So I will see you next time here on Mr. Benfica on the PTV Media Network. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off. We'll see you next time. Hey!